Thank you, Kendall, for leading worship today. That was so worshipful, and I feel like I don't even have to preach because so much of the, the singing is exactly what today's about. Well, good morning, Connections Church. Uh, thank you for having me as your guest preacher today. I'm Pamela Clark, and I've been worshiping here at Connections since last November. Uh, my husband, Paul, is back here working in the children's ministry and the young adult ministry with Pastor Ruth. Um, before coming to Connections, I served as education pastor at a local church in Denver for six years. Um, I've been in pastoring, pastoral ministry for about 15 years. Um, and last July, I joined the Denver Seminary staff to help them build their online degree programs for uh, Korean-speaking students, uh, which also happens to be the fastest-growing program right now. Um, as many of you know, Paul and I are happily married. And we have two beautiful, energetic kids that you will see me chasing around the church time to time. Actually, every Sunday. <laughs> um, it really is a joy to be here to share God's word with you from one of the, my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Isaiah. Now, as I read today's message or today's passage, I would like to ask you if you are physically able to please rise from your seats uh, for the reading of God's word. Thank you. You look beautiful. And as you stand, notice that our posture of standing is um, our recognition and acknowledging that this is indeed God's word that we're reading and that we're showing God through our posture that we're ready to accept his word that is given to us. So now a reading from Isaiah chapter 43 verses 1 through 19. But now... This is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, who, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I I'm the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for loving Connections Church and caring for every one of us worshiping here, both in person and online. 
please soften our hearts this morning to hear your gentle voice of love, courage, and faith. We are your children. Please be with me as I teach and encourage our covenant family with your truth and love. In Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. The book of Isaiah is rich in history, and today's passage requires a little bit of explanation. The book of Isaiah is 66 chapters long, and it is not exactly a happy, innocent tale. It deals with Israel's many sins of idolatry and injustice at every level of the society. It details God's judgment on the nation's countless sins. While God chose the Israelites to be his people, delivered from slavery from Egypt, and God presented them with the virgin land, the promised land. Still, the people and the leaders of Israel were sinful and proud, and they turned away from God just about every chance they had. The book of Isaiah opens with God's divine verdict of their many sins and details the consequences of their idolatry and injustices that God had warned them about from the very beginning. At this point in Isaiah chapter 43, Israel is already weakened and divided into two nations, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Both have undergone attacks from neighboring empires like Assyria and Babylon. At this point, Jerusalem and the temple of God lie in ruin. And from foreign attack, people are utterly destroyed, their hope extinguished. The few remaining were taken away from their homes to live as exiles among the Babylonians without a land to call their own, without anything to call their own under their name, and without a nation to claim as their own. It was this deeply traumatic time of Israel history that God sent his prophet Isaiah to speak today's message of hope, peace, love, and restoration. To the people who are broken and afraid, God says, do not fear. To the people who have been reduced to nothing, God says, you are precious and honored in my sight. To the people who are scattered about with no leader to bring them together, God says, I will bring you together from the east and gather you from the west. Brothers and sisters, today we live in a deeply traumatized society. Not unlike the times of the exile of the Israelites. We as individuals and as institutions and as a nation, we are faced with so much more suffering than we can possibly bear. My first recollection of trauma was when I experienced the Gulf War in Saudi Arabia as a nine-year-old. My family was there as a missionary family, and at the time I was young, and I didn't understand the full meaning of what a war entailed. I also didn't know the sounds of missiles flying above our heads and blowing up buildings in our city would have such a lasting impact on me. In fact, after the war ended, I lived my life as if it was done and over with. And then, it was in 2012, 21 years after the Gulf War, when the Aurora movie shooting happened, that I suddenly had these powerful and overwhelming flashbacks of the sights and the sounds of war in the Middle East. On the Sunday following the tragic shooting at the movie theater, I was leading worship at the church that I was serving then. There was a great deal of alarm that morning because one of our members were actually shot and she miraculously survived. 
and we had police on site to help us worship in peace without interruption from media coverage. I was leading the opening song from the piano, and I, I remember the sight and the sound and the tension of that morning all of a sudden brought me to tears. And the tears just kept coming and coming and coming, and I didn't know why. And it was only after the service that I realized and learned that I was experiencing a form of PTSD from the childhood war memories. For me, it was the war and the suddenly having to move to the United States that shaped much of my earliest traumas. But for others, for you, it may be other things. It could be an illness, a death in the family, divorce, poverty, or an abuse from an alcoholic father or a bully or a sexual predator or spiritual or emotional abuse under narcissistic leadership. As communities, we experience trauma as well. Even though I'm not super old, I remember <laughs> several of these dark days in our nation's history, including the 9-11 attack on the American people. I remember where I was when that happened. I bet you do too. And as we talk about trauma, we cannot forget the global pandemic that affected every one of our lives in the past three tumultuous years. Even if we didn't have immediate losses of ourselves, how could we not be affected when so many people around us lost so much, including their health, their loved ones, their certain ways of life, a sense of community, whether that be church or school or family gatherings. You see, our public and private lives are chock full of traumatic incidents. Oftentimes, we respond to these terrible events with shock and sometimes with denial. When we are overwhelmed, we might even shut down. Unfortunately, it is proven that unprocessed trauma doesn't just disappear. They live deep in our psyche and affects our mood, our relationships, our judgment on a daily basis. It even affects our health. Perhaps every generation in history had their own traumatic events to cope with, but I'm convinced that we are in a different era now because we have access to just about every tweet and every news coverage broadcasted across the world. Not only do we have enough challenges to deal with in our own lives, in our local communities, we are updated with the challenge and the struggles that everybody faces in the face of the earth. I'm telling you, it is too much for our feeble bodies and minds to bear. It's hard to hear news after news after news of death and destruction, the natural disasters and corrupt systems and governments all around us. And they don't seem to end. So how can we not only survive, but live with hope in this trauma-stricken world of ours? Is there hope? And God's answer to that question is yes. This morning, I want to explore why we can live with hope in this dark and broken world. Then I would like to suggest a few application points that will help us make that hope our own this morning. So the first reason why we can live with hope in this trauma-stricken world is because we have a God who loves us. We can have hope because we have a God who loves us. On the surface, this runs the danger of sounding like a Christian, Christianese cliche. 
But bear with me a moment, and you will, and let yourself rediscover the power of these words. God loves you. The Almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, the always-present God who created and rules over the universe declares his love over you and has officially made you part of his family. In verse 1 of today's passage, God declared to the Israelites, trembling in fear, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if you had a super famous and rich dad? <laughs> Think Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, um, Jay-Z, I don't know. Pick your, take your pick, right? But <laughs> we actually don't have to guess what that life will look like because we have that life right now with our God as our eternal loving father. While the super dads of this world may provide their children with endless money and endless opportunities to pursue their dreams, our heavenly father provides us with everything we need, including all the money and the opportunities we need, but more importantly, his unconditional presence, peace from above and forgiveness for sins. We have a super dad who loves us to the cross and back and sets us free from our prisons of shame and guilt and death. And it is in this wonderful God with whom our hope lives. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you this morning that it is foolish to put our hope in anything or anyone other than God himself. No one else will be able to consistently and forever live up to your ideals except God. So while we're called to love one another, let us put our hope in God alone. In other words, please do not put your trust in yourself or your friends or your job or even your faith leaders. Because as amazing as they are, they cannot walk you to your grave and to the judgment seat. Only God can do that. When you do, when you, uh, when you put your trust in earthly things and earthly beings, you will certainly have good days, but you will also have disappointments. Human entities will fail us. And when they do, it is a great time to be reminded that only God can be trusted with our entire hope. We are to love one another, but place our hope in God. We can live with hope in this trauma-stricken world because we have a God who loves us and who will never fail us. Secondly, we can live with hope in this trauma-stricken world because our story does not end here. Brothers and sisters, no matter what we go through in life, we can remember and rejoice that we have eternity to look forward to. Amen? When we become God's family, we were promised eternal life with our creator who will usher in new heavens and new earth. To those who are in Christ, death is not an end. It is in fact just the beginning. So while we should give thanks for the present life God has given us and make the most of it as faithful stewards of God-given gifts, there is no cause to lose hope because of whatever happens on this side of eternity. Because God has already guaranteed us a happy ending. Our stories end in victory. In this life, we may suffer. In this life, we may face persecution. In this life, we may not fulfill our dreams. 
but believe and know God is going to see to it that all that you are and all that you are meant to be will be brought to complete fruition when this life passes and the true life is revealed in the eternal kingdom of God. Let's admit it, life is hard. And when you are in physical or emotional or spiritual pain or someone you love is in physical, emotional or spiritual pain, it can feel like life is over. There is no hope. But let us remember, in Jesus, our ending is already written. And, it, and the ending writes, ending reads, victory in Christ. There's an important side note I want to mention. A lot of people, because of Hollywood and other, other Eastern influences, think that heaven is some sort of a formless spiritual realm where we join an inanimate source like a force and hover, you know, around empty spaces. I want to tell you, that is not a biblical vision of heaven at all. And to be honest, that sounds really boring, don't you think? Boring and empty. <laughs> but the Bible, Bible's version of heaven is quite the opposite because the book of Revelation points to us that it is a bright, shining new city, the new Jerusalem, where people from all nations, tongues, and tribes will come together with all of our gifts and talents and fulfill God's original creation mandate that the book of Genesis has promised. This is going to be the most amazing life ever. God has given each of us a calling to that end. And we are to do our best on this side of eternity to live into that calling. But let me assure you, the present life is merely a recital. It is a recital for the actual life God calls us to. And in this forever kingdom of God's, we will be as we have always been meant to be, perfect and blameless together with God and sharing in his glory. Honestly, our hope would be futile if it wasn't for the, this promise in heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul voices this reality saying, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why are we sitting here? Go enjoy the weather. Live and, you know, enjoy. But here we are because of that hope in heaven. Brothers and sisters, when you are in Christ Jesus, you have inherited the destiny of our Lord Jesus himself. Isn't that amazing? Um, that means your ending is already written. Your legacy will be that of goodness and righteousness because Christ has made you co-heir through faith. And no matter what happens here on earth, our biographies are guaranteed a beautiful, victorious ending. And that is a reason to have hope. We can live with hope in this world because our story does not end here. Thirdly, we can have hope in this trauma-stricken world because God knows how to help us through our present sufferings. God knows how to help us. We live in a deeply broken world that can be so painful and toxic at times. And as Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, we will have trouble. While life is not all roses and rainbows, we can live with hope because God knows how to help us through every challenging situation. Three years ago in 2019, my husband, Paul, was a healthy man with so much he wanted to do. In April of that year, he went to LA to attend a mission conference with two of our CRC colleagues. 
No one had expected that on the night of April 1st, on the first day of the conference, that he would have a massive hemorrhagic stroke and be hospitalized for five weeks. When I received the call in the middle of the night, I felt as though my world just shattered. Our lives changed overnight with this one news. Paul's stroke was so severe that we didn't know if he would make it. And at that time, I was also 38 weeks pregnant. Our son uh, was due. And I was looking forward to meeting our son with my husband by my side and just in matters of days. And all of a sudden, Paul was in a situation where he couldn't leave the hospital in L.A. I couldn't fly out because I'm definitely due. Through much prayer and support of church and friends, we made it through the hardest times. Every obstacle was a matter of prayer. Paul's life, my life, Ryder's life, our daughter's life, the bills, the paperwork, the logistics of Paul's return trip home. Everything seemed utterly overwhelming. But whenever I would go to God, he would somehow care for me with indescribable peace from above. During the hardest moments, I could almost feel the Lord's presence physically with me. I can't explain it. And when I was delivering our son, it was as if God orchestrated everything with the, the doctor who delivered my baby being a member of a local church who had been praying for me prior to this day, uh, to the nurse who was a family friend, and, and just everything. God showed me that I was not alone, that he did not abandon me, even though it felt as if we were abandoned. The medical bills were piling up, too, because... Uh, Paul was hospitalized out of network for several days before he was moved to an in-network hospital. And the bills came to something in the six figures, something that we definitely did not have. But God took care of that too. In other words, God was able to safely walk me and our young family through some of the most traumatic things we could have experienced. It has been three years since the traumatic night and while it has not been easy, it has been a blessed journey. And we continue to celebrate every one of our milestones with definite hope for a brighter future. Brothers and sisters, God is lovingly invested in your life just as he is invested in mine. And he has all the resources that you need to have hope. He knows the people who can help you. He knows the experiences that will benefit you. And more than anything, he has a divine power to change you from the inside out. He has the power to help us heal, not just manage, but heal from traumas. He has the power to help us forgive those who hurt us so that we can finally move on. He has the wisdom and the discernment that will save our lives. He has the power to melt away all our fears. We can live with hope in this trauma-stricken world because we have a God who knows how to help us. Now there's one more key point that I want to share because it has to do with how we make this eternal hope our reality today. And the secret to that life of hope is faith. Faith. There we go. Christian faith. It can be understood as unwavering trust in the goodness and the power of God. The Bible tells us that with faith, we can move mountains. 
Without faith, we cannot please God. And the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. Our work as Christians is faith, is to believe. Very quickly, I would like to go through three ways we can live out that faith in our daily lives starting today. The first, we have to consciously know and believe that we belong to God. Remember, the promise of hope we find in Isaiah chapter 43 are given to people known by God's name, people who are known as God's children. For example, everyone is valuable. I love all the kids, but I don't throw birthday parties for every kid. I only throw a birthday party for my kid <laughs> because she's mine. He's mine, right? Same with God. God loves everyone, welcomes everyone into his family. But when you are called by his name, when you are part of his family, he takes care of you. So if you are part of God's family and you know that, then you have already inherited that saving faith. Praise God. And God will make it his business to redeem your life. If you're not sure if you are God's child today, Please consider what God says about how we become God's children. The Bible tells us that God loves every one of us and welcomes all of us to join his family. If we will believe in Jesus Christ, whom God gave us as our sacrificial lamb and Lord and Savior. If you believe and confess in faith that Jesus is God and your Savior and your Lord, you will be saved from sin and also saved into God's family. And if any of you wishes to make that very important decision to be part of God's household today, please find me or Pastor Ruth after service. And we'll be glad to pray with you. The second way we can take hold of this hope in God is by believing God can heal you. This belief is important. When you are faced with a problem too big for you to handle, believe and know that God can handle it. Now remember, this doesn't mean God will make your life easy and, you know, with a snap of a finger, make it all go away. No. But God will surely give you what you need to have hope and walk the path of healing and restoration. It could be a physical illness or an illness of your soul. It could be your anxiety, fear, anger, unforgiveness, unbelief. Whatever it is, believe and know that God has the remedy and he will gladly give you the help. Lastly, in faith, entrust your care to the Lord and watch him work. Amen. There are so many times when I felt stuck in life. But over the years, I learned to entrust myself with all my issues to the Lord. And just say, here I am, God. Fix me, please. Thank you. <laughs> and, in God, and God, in the fullness of his wisdom and understanding will bring all of us to that path of healing. When I sense a big obstacle in my heart or in my life, I, that's all I do. I simply tell God and in faith ask him to take care of it. For example, there were many times when in my own strength, I could not forgive certain people. I'm piping mad, feeling hurt. I can't do anything about it on my own. But I know that when I open the word of God, it says love your neighbors, even love your enemies. So it was clear what God wanted for us. So eventually, I would muster up the faith to say to God, God, I'm angry. I just can't love right now. But I know I need to, to obey you. 
So please help me to get rid of this anger and help me to love like you asked. I pray in faith and God supplies the power. And surely enough, God walks me slowly, but surely on the gentle path of forgiveness, of love, of strength, of courage, everything that we'll ever need. Pastor Ruth has set the summer series title as Let Go and Let God. And I love it. This is so good. And I want to remind you, when you entrust things to the Lord, you do have to let go. <laughs> you can't keep coaching God about how he needs to help you. You just have to let go and let God be the God. God can manage your life. You can trust him. I want you to know that sometimes God fixes us instantaneously. I've experienced that before. But sometimes he takes time and puts us on our road to recovery because that's the best thing he knows for you. Sometimes God allows us to bear a burden all our lives like the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. But when he does so, it is because it is the best for you in God's grand all-knowing power. Brothers and sisters of Connections Church, everything about the trends of these days point to a world that is increasingly volatile and dangerous. And until our Lord returns, we are to expect trouble in our lives. So let us equip ourselves with faith and overcome every obstacle and bear the hope that God has given us in him. And when we do so, I know that God's name will be glorified in and through each and every one of us. And we will lead even more people to that life of eternal hope and healing of all our brokenness. Let us pray. Father God, you have said to all of us who are called by your name, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Help us to see the new thing that you're doing in our lives, both personally and as a church. Help us to have hope in you no matter what the situation. And help us to watch your hand of deliverance.